The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Domingo Santana, ooh, I wanna have ya. Tanakas, Fakata, Jag like Michael Waka, Polanco, and Franco. Kokomo Friday always gets me jazzed up for the podcast here. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today, two-man power trip, Frank Stample and Scott White. And we have all the breakouts for you today on the show. Jackie Bradley has signed with the Milwaukee Brewers, and Scott wrote an awesome article highlighting everything that is going on in spring training, so we'll talk a little bit about some of those nuggets that you found as well. What's going on, Scott? I found out just before the podcast that you, uh, you're a tea drinker. You like the chai tea. Well... I prefer tea to coffee, and I prefer soda to tea, but you can only drink so much soda, right? It's not, it's a lot, it's a lot of sugar, a lot of sugar, Frank. I already had, I already had my soda. This is the second podcast we recorded today, because uh, we got the Saturday mailbag that we recorded ahead of time. So I had my soda then, had the tea tonight, gotta just, it's just gonna get me over the finish line here. I, I hope so. It's a very busy time, and it's only March 4th. It's going to be a really long month. Keep highlighting 31 podcasts in 31 days. No, not all 31 are going to be done by us. We do have some Danny Vietti and Will Middlebrooks podcast mixed in 27, there. 27, Will. Yeah, 27. That's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I would say that's enough in 31 days. <laughs> um, so the main point of today's podcast will be breakouts. So let's start there, Scott. And yesterday... It took you a little bit to figure out that Trey Mancini was your favorite sleeper. I hope it'll be easier for you to figure out who your favorite breakout is. So get us started here, Scotty. Yes, it will, because we can all say it in unison. Three, two, one. It's Keb Brian Hayes. Brian Hayes. Yes. Keb Brian. Kapow. That's what he said with the bat in September last year. Just crushed the ball, crushed it to all fields. Uh, more over the fence power than he showed in the minors. Had five home runs in his 80-something at-bats, I think. We're talking about a guy who would hit like 13 in a minor league season. So, you know, that was it was eye-opening. He also had seven doubles, two triples during that time. 85 total at-bats is what it was. Um, I think he's a very safe bet for batting average because the one thing, as he was... As he was kind of underwhelming with his minor league numbers, the one thing he did consistently was make contact at a good rate. And we know he's a good defender. We know he can run well. I don't think he's going to be huge stolen base source, but I do think Brian Hayes will be a significant source of stolen bases, maybe like 12 to 15. I should say a not insignificant source of stolen bases. That significant. 
I know what I meant when I said significant, <laughs> but it might be misconstrued as, you know, 12 to 15 steals is what I'm thinking for Cabrian Hayes. Um, and so if there, if there is any hope of him developing into a legitimate power hitter, I mean, that's a stud profile. I, I don't, to, to live up to his ADP, I don't think he needs to be like a 30 homer guy. I think just as a 20 homer guy, he's probably going to outproduce his ADP. But I think there's a chance that the power was legitimate. He, he hit the ball very hard, like I said. And I think when you have somebody who, who demonstrates the athleticism that Cabrian Hayes does and has the contact skills already covered, like that's the sort of profile that in today's environment especially can find power very quickly. Um, you know, even before the juice ball, that's kind of that's kind of how Francisco Lindor developed into what he did. And um, it it wouldn't surprise me if September was the first glimpse of that happening for Cabrian Hayes as well. Cabrian Hayes, the top prospect for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I've made this comp before, Scott. I don't think it's crazy for him to get to an Anthony Rendon-esque season in Rendon's. I guess it was... It was his first full year, but it was his second season. Back in 2014, you look at what Rendon did. 287 batting average, 21 home runs, 111 runs. That's very optimistic. But 83 RBI, 17 steals. 824 OPS. Makes a lot of contact. Uh, hits the ball hard. I don't. I, I think that that is within the range of outcomes. Maybe it's like 90 runs scored because the Pirates lineup is not great. But mm-hmm. definitely think it's possible. And I quickly pulled this up. The NFBC ADP for Anthony Rendon entering that season was 240, and he came out with that kind of season. So that's uh, that was a, that was a pretty great year for Rendon. Enough of that, though. Brian Hayes' ADP is 151.8, Scott. And I think that I, I you, do. Go ahead. I do want to say one other thing about him because you've seen Brian Hayes rise in, in some prospect rankings uh, based on what was seen in September. So it's not just me. It's not just me out there looking at those September numbers and like, oh, he's a power hitter now. Uh, you look at like MLB's prospect rankings. Cabrian Hayes is still in them because he still technically qualifies as a prospect. Only 85 at-bats. They have him the ninth best prospect in baseball now, and they upped his hit tool to a 60, and they upped his power tool to a 55. I mean, that's a really good hitter that they're projecting him for now. Now, Baseball America didn't raise their uh, their scouting grades for Cabrian Hayes like MLB.com did, but I've seen MLB.com do it. I, I think I saw some other major prospect evaluation site do it. Like, it's it's not just me saying this is all I'm saying. And I think Hayes gets dinged a little bit in the ADP. 151.8 right now, according to Fantasy Pros. It's not, he's not, he's not free or anything. He's not, you know, completely cheap, but you look at what his counterpart, his rookie counterpart, Alec Bohm and his ADP is all the way up at 109.8. So he's going about 40 picks higher. And I'm pretty sure Scott, you've said that you would take Hayes over Bohm in a vacuum, right? Like if both are on the board, you would would take Hayes. Yeah. I, I feel like Bohm has bigger questions about his power production than Hayes at this point. They both have questions, but I mean, Bohm hit only four home runs in his 160 at-bats last year. Hayes had more than that in about half the at-bats, you know? Mm-hmm. Which again, it's it's not as simple as evaluating it that way, but uh, Bohm had questions about his power production coming up through the minors too. And clearly he didn't answer them 
in his debut um to you know he, he didn't change he didn't change the thinking there with four home runs and 160 at bats it's still something to prove i don't think i'm going to say like bohm's not going to be a power hitter or anything but it's still a question with him would you feel comfortable with Cabrian Hayes as your starting third baseman? Yeah, I would. I rarely have to go that route because there's a lot, there's a lot of starting caliber third baseman. Mm-hmm. And you know, I usually like like if Bregman or Rendon makes it to round four, I'm pretty much always taking one of them. But I'd be fine with Hayes as my starting third baseman. Yeah, I, I'm actually not able to draft him that much because. In draft, I, I don't know if it's because I've made such a big deal of Cabrian Hayes and people see him in there and they're like, oh, I got to get him before Scott does. But like, he's, he's a player who I find I'm not able to get anymore because somebody reaches for him, at least going by ADP, somebody reaches like 30 spots higher than that. Alrighty. So Scott's favorite breakout, Cabrian Hayes, also the player he loves. So very excited about the prospect for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I'm going to go with... Tyler Malley, who I have talked about a few times already, starting pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, ADP all the way down at 192.6. And he was awesome last year in 2020. He finished with a 3.59 ERA, a 1.15 whip, and the expected ERA for him based on the quality of contact, 3.33 XERA as well for Tyler Malley. Lots of strikeouts, 60 strikeouts and 47 and two-thirds innings pitched, 11.3 K per nine. That was backed up by an awesome swinging strike rate, 13.8% swinging strike rate. Uh, Had he qualified, that would have ranked better than Trevor Bauer, Aaron Nola, and Brandon Woodruff for Tyler Malley. And he changed his pitch mix up a little bit. He... Didn't use the slider at all in 2019. He went for a curveball, and then last year he completely ditched the curveball through the slider 33% of the time, and he basically just has this three-pitch mix that I think, after years of tinkering, he's kind of figured it out. Four-seam fastball, throws 94, 95 miles per hour. He has this really great slider that he uses a third of the time. He has this third pitch, a split changeup, which is actually a pretty good pitch that he throws 12% of the time as well. Again, this is Tyler Malley. Normally, I wind up with him as my SP5. I know, Scott, you like to get five of your top 35 starting pitchers. I, I more so like to get you know four of my top 30, and then I'll wait for a little bit. I'll kind of forget about the starting pitcher position. And then this is the range that I jump back in. You know, right outside 180, um, 190, you know, 200. Once we get into this range, I'm just going to start loading up on a bunch of upside starting pitchers. Tyler Malley is one of those upside starting pitchers for me. Yeah, he's in my breakouts 2.0 column too. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of coming around to the idea that like, if you're, I still want five of my top 35, but if I only get four of my top 35, then this, I agree would be the range to jump back in. Um, where like Tyler Malley is going, uh, I think Corey Kluber's in that same range, right? Frankie Montas. Uh, they're all pretty interesting to me. Montas, for what it's worth, talked about uh, how he he recognizes his, that his splitter is his best pitch and he wants to throw it more again this year. Remember, it was the key to his breakout in 2019 and he wasn't throwing it as much last year. He realizes that, so that's good. But back to Mally. This is one of my favorite stats. I uncovered it when I was writing about him in Breakouts 2.0. I'm going to add it to my uh, amazing stats column. Uh, so the issue with Mally being not really having that breaking ball right and that relying so much on the fastball. He was limited to the short start for the Reds because every time he got 
got into the lineup, the opposing lineup for a third time, they would just crush them because there wasn't enough pitch variety there. So 2019, third time through the lineup, Tyler Malley allowed a 351 batting average and a 1,004 OPS. Third time through the lineup, 2019. Last year, third time through the lineup with that slider, hitters were only two for 31 off him the third time through the lineup. Like wow. that is that is a drastic and dramatic transformation. It shows you how important that pitch is. In addition to getting more whiffs with it, it yep. uh, it, it makes him a true starting pitcher. So excited to see what Tyler Malley can do. Yeah, Scott and I are both ahead of him in terms of ADP. Uh, Malley is the 57th starting pitcher off the board, according to Fantasy Pros. I have him up at SP49. Scott has him at SP51. So excited about one Tyler Malley. Before we get to the latest news and notes, Paramount Plus, which we've been hyping up for a while now, just launched today. Well, technically March 4th. You're hearing this on March 5th. We're recording it the night before, but you get the point. You've probably seen... The journey to Mount Paramount spots featuring Bill Cower, James Corden, Patrick Stewart, Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, it's quite the squad. But Paramount Plus is live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. You can go straight from game day to movie night with Paramount Plus. Stream iconic movies like The Godfather, Indiana Jones, and Mission Impossible, and new episodes of critically acclaimed original series like Star Trek, Picard, The Good Fight, and The Stand. And get this. It's where you can dive into live sports from us, CBS Sports, including the NFL, March Madness, which is coming up, the Masters, and Champions League Soccer, plus stream hit shows from CBS, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, the Smithsonian Channel, and Comedy Central. Live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment, Paramount Plus is streaming now. Also, the Draft Prep Guide is officially Live. I know some people have been asking on Facebook and Twitter, calling out my guy, Chris Towers. Oh, but Chris said it's going to be here. Patience, it's here. It's around. And it's for free. Download the CBS Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit. It's a one-stop shop to help anyone dominate their drafts. It includes sleepers, breakouts, busts, rankings, analysis, and more. And it's written by all of us. Mostly Scott and Chris. But there's some of my content in there as well. And you can find it, the link that you need to know, cbssports.com slash FBB draft kit. Again, cbssports.com slash FBB draft kit, 100% free. You can sign up, we'll send it your way. Uh, all of our rankings, all of our salary cap values in there. You can use it to keep track of your salary cap drafts, write down you know how much money you're spending, how much money you have left, all this great stuff. So please go check it out. It's free. Why wouldn't you? Lastly, our newsletter is new and improved. It features... Lots of stats and quotes that we use on the podcast. It really is just like a, a podcast recap in written form. And I think that it's, you know, some people like to consume things by reading them rather than listening. We hope you do both. But if you want to find that, it's cbsports.com slash newsletters. News and notes. Mention it at the top, Scott. Jackie Bradley Jr. has signed a two-year deal with the Milwaukee Brewers. And he was low-key awesome last year. I, I don't think that we should put much stock into it just because he was so much better than he ever was before. 283 batting average for Jackie Bradley, seven home runs, and five steals. He's always had solid plate discipline. He'll strike out quite a bit, but a 9% walk rate for Jackie Bradley, I think is actually you know a little bit underrated. I, I didn't even realize that until I looked into the numbers, but he walks quite a bit. And the one thing I will point out that he did differently, completely changed his hit direction 
So I remember a couple years ago, this is what led to the breakout for Tim Anderson. Started just spraying the ball all over the field. Jackie Bradley last year lowered his pull rate to a career low 29%. So he opted to hit more up the middle and to opposite field, which as a lefty, you know, people are shifting him aggressively. I think it really helped. So any thoughts on JBJ there in Milwaukee now? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see too, him just being a left-handed hitter. It's, Fenway Park's a tough place to hit for left-handed hitters. Milwaukee's a great place to hit for all kinds of hitters. Maybe maybe he can emerge as something more. I mean, he, he has 20 homer pop. He could maybe steal 15 bases. He hasn't been a consistent source of them, but we know he's fast enough to do that, and we know he's done that at times. I hesitate to call Jackie Bradley a sleeper in any real sense, but this is a good landing spot for maximizing his value, and we'll see. A, a guy who joined the Brewers last year, and I thought, uh, was going to take a big step forward as a result. Obviously, Garcia. Presumably, this means he's out of a job now because uh, Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, obviously, in that outfield already. Cain's old. He could get hurt, and then maybe Garcia finds his way back in. But wasn't exactly hyping Garcia this year anyway, as disastrously as 2019 went. But, uh, but yeah, he appears to be out of a job. Yeah, speaking of Lorenzo Cain, you said he's old. He might get hurt, Scott. Apparently... He already is hurt. He's dealing with, quote, a minor quad issue. But Craig Council reiterated today that Lorenzo Cain is the team's starting center fielder when he's healthy. So I guess that puts him in center field. Uh, That'll put Jackie Bradley in left. And, of course, Eviseo Garcia on the bench, unless by some miraculous miracle. Miraculous miracle? That doesn't make sense. Um, There's a universal DH, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, what's up next? What do we got? Framber Valdez, an update. This is <laughs> Dr. Scott. I don't know, man. We might have to, we might have to check your degree. I, I don't, I don't know. I was just going on precedent. <laughs> I was just going on, you know, examples I've seen of this in the past. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is crazy. Per John Heyman, he had this tweet on Thursday. The initial recommendation for top young Astro starting pitcher Framber Valdez is for surgery to repair his fractured ring finger, and the early belief is that he could, that could mean he'd miss the entire, entire, twenty twenty one season. What? I just I don't understand, and there's not confirmation from the team, so you know I'm I'm not doubting John Heyman's source or anything, but it's it's unconfirmed this report, so uh, don't go dumping Framber Valdez yet. Uh, I've never heard of a player missing a whole season for a broken finger. And like, he broke his finger in the first inning, came back and pitched the second. So how how broken could it be? Like, <laughs> it's not like the ball disintegrated it. I don't, I don't understand. I really, I don't understand. I don't understand why, even with surgery, that would have to be a season-ending injury. But I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor, so we'll... Wait and see. It doesn't sound good, though. Very disappointing for our guy, Bromber Valdez. I've never broken any bones in my life, but I, I, I broke my th- finger. I don't think it works that way, Scott. Does it? Because you were like, you know, how I, broken I, can it be? <laughs> I broke my left ring finger. That's the finger I broke. Oh, so you and no wonder why and it you was like, like Valdez so much. It was like this. It was laying over my pinky at like a forty-five degree angle. It was broken bad. Oh, what you were know? you doing? funny story (laughs) (laughs) well please do tell sports related injury 
technically. <laughs> um, so the Braves were on the verge of clinching the division title again because this is something they often did. I was in 10th grade at the time, so this would have been... Uh, to like, 2000, mm. the year 2000. And I was, I wanted to check my magnetic schedule to see when the game was on so I could watch it. And I was in socks and I like ran and slid and caught myself and my caught myself with my fingers pointed straight down. So I landed on them. Oh. I heard this pop and my finger was not laying right over. <laughs> Was, was laying, like I said, diagonally over the pinky at like a 45 degree angle. I'm like, oh, this is not right. Oh, no. This is not the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> it didn't hurt that much because I guess it just, you know, Oof. it was just too, too radical to really trigger the nerves or something. I don't know. It just felt weird, you know? It just felt kind of numb. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, uh-huh. I did not have surgery. I had I had injections in my on each side of the finger, which that was that was painful. But um, you know, they put it back in place. I was in a cast for you know, I don't know, six weeks, and then I was fine. I love how I love how you <laughs> led that story with it was a ba- it was a sports related injury. Exactly. <laughs> it, it was technically. Uh, suck it up, Framber Valdez. If 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 Scott can make it through, I, I watched the game in the hospital. By the way, Ozzie Guillen hit a home run. Was, I think it was a one nothing game, and they clinched because Ozzie Guillen hit a home run. So Nice. Yeah, happy ending. You know what's not nice? Adalberto Mondesi, who is apparently dealing with a foot injury, he is progressing, according to manager Mike Matheny, but Mondesi still has not made his Cactus League debut. We haven't talked a lot about this. It was like underreported. I saw some, I saw some stuff about it yesterday, um, but yeah. He's uh, Montessi's dealing with a sore foot that he sustained when fouling a, a ball off of his foot prior to spring training games actually starting. So, I mean, it's for someone that you're depending on for f- at least 40 plus steals, Scott, you don't like to see this. No, you don't. I was trying to, I'm sorry, I was thinking, I think it was actually 1999, not 2000 when that happened. But anyway, um, no, you don't like to see this for Montessi. Um, I, 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 I don't know. It's it, it, it's not something that's really changing my view on him just yet. But something to keep an eye on. Reese Hoskins, who is returning from elbow surgery that he had last year, made his spring training debut on Thursday. He went one for three with a. Did he hit a home run? Everyone in the Phillies apparently did. They beat the Yankees fifteen to zero. Uh, but he did not. He just had a single, a run scored, and an RBI. He almost hit a home run. I was watching that game. He hit one to the warning track. So again, that is Reese Hoskins. I think if he's healthy and he looks good all throughout spring, then we have a potential great value on our hands with Hoskins because his ADP right now is 155.8, and he was actually very good last year. So let's pay attention to one Reese Hoskins. Nate Pearson, the Blue Jays' top pitching prospect, was diagnosed with a grade one groin strain. He has pitched just one inning in the spring so far with two strikeouts. He was consistently throwing around 99 miles per hour. Uh, So get well soon, Nate Pearson. We would like to see you healthy. Danny Santana signed with the Red Sox as a non-roster invitee. Max Freed from your Atlanta Braves, Scott, 
was scratched from Friday's start with COVID-related concerns. According to manager Brian Snitker, Freed didn't test positive for COVID-19, but the Braves fear he had, quote, potential exposure to an infected person. Freed is expected to remain away from camp for at least a couple of days. That'll do it for the news and notes. But I have to highlight at least one performance, maybe another. You're going to have to keep me in check here, Scott. But... We can't hype up only the youngsters. We got we to gotta show some of the oldies some love, too. And I wanted to shine some light on one. Madison Bumgarner, who made his spring debut on Thursday. Two innings pitched, one hit, zero earned, zero walks, six strikeouts for Mad Bum. 11, Say what? Six strikeouts. Yeah. yeah. All of his wow. outs recorded via the K. He had 11 whiffs on 33 pitches. His four-seam fastball averaged 90.2 miles per hour, which doesn't sound great by today's standards, but the fastball velocity for Mad Bum last year was 88.6 miles per hour. So, okay, this has my attention. I will just point out the lineup that he was facing was dreadful. It was really bad. Uh, So I think that matters a little bit, Scott, but uh, in all all seriousness, Madison Bumgarner is free in drafts, and I like seeing the velocity being up for him. Yeah, I, I hope to see something similar for Patrick Corbin. I don't think he's made his spring debut yet, has he? Nope. But that's it's something to keep an eye on. I mean, like you said, the lineup was dreadful. It still wasn't it still wasn't like back to where Madison Bumgarner's velocity was two years ago, right? It was more like ninety one. Yeah. Ninety. I think he was um, right above ninety one in twenty nineteen. Yeah. So let's see more. I mean, it's the first start of spring training. If every start goes this way, then I think uh I think we'll see him have some helium, as they say. 91.4 miles per hour was a fastball for Madison Bumgarner back in 2019, the last time that he was fantasy relevant. He had a 3.90 ERA with almost a strikeout per inning back in 2019. The ADP for Mad Bum, 302.8, according to Fantasy Pros. So, again, free. You get it with the last pick in your drafts. Scott, I think what makes us such a good duo and what made us a good duo throughout the the regular season last year was that I was always ready to overreact to stuff and, and you would you would calm me down. You would you would rein me in a little bit and you know you're really good at that. And I, I give you props. And something I said last year, <laughs> which didn't work out so well, I remember it. It was it was Savali's first five or six starts. He was doing awesome. Tyler Glass now was doing terribly and I said, that's it. I will say it right now. I will take Aaron Savali over Tyler Glass now rest of season. And right after I said that, they went in opposite directions, complete opposite directions. So I need to, I need you to let me know if I'm overreacting. Savale's debut on Thursday, three perfect innings with three strikeouts while debuting his new short arm delivery, which you remember for Lucas Giolito, that's kind of what helped him get his career back on track. And... On the same team, Zach Plesak also had the same thing last year where he shortened up his arm delivery, and there was a lot of people comparing side-by-side the delivery of Plesak from 2019 versus 2020, and I actually retweeted a video from our buddy Nick Pollock over at PitcherList earlier where he highlighted last year's delivery for Savale versus this spring delivery, which is new, and it's completely different. So I'm pretty excited, Scott. Yeah, I I don't I don't think it's insignificant. I mean, one of one of my uh, one of my little sayings is the the smallest changes can make a big it's the biggest difference in baseball. 
whether you're talking about a hitter's mechanics or or something different a pitcher's doing, it can it can be revolutionary. And this isn't the only change Savali's making. He also, I got this from George Bissell, um, who's a writer for NBC Sports Edge, which used to be known as Roto World. He writes uh, some of the updates there. And uh, he shared one of his updates for Savali, where he also pointed out that he's working on a split changeup, uh, which the movement on the split changeup is going to go well with the rest of his arsenal. I'm not somebody who really understands that, how that works, but the movement that pitch will generate just by it, it, it will it will pair nicely with some of his other pitches um, to potentially create more swings and misses that way. So. I mean, those those are two small changes that could make a big difference for Aaron Savale. And he wasn't a bad pitcher before. I just think I didn't really see the upside for him. I, I can I can see the case for him having upside now. It's I, I moved him up a little after this start. Just a little. Just a little. Like four or five spots in my starting pitcher rankings. Yes. Uh, let's see more. Let's see how this the rest of the spring plays out. But I can see him getting some helium. Mm. Is that how you say it? Is that the right phrasing? Getting some helium? Having some helium? Getting yeah. some helium. Having some helium? Had, like, yeah, when no, a player's think, rising up yeah. the rankings? That's, that's, I don't, I'm not good at jargon. I think getting some helium would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Getting some helium. Yeah. So Aaron Savali is going to start talking like this because he's getting yeah. some helium. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, yeah, Savali and Tyler Malley are actually going back to back. According to ADP, Savale at 191.4, Mali at 192.6. So again, for me, try and get four starting pitchers inside those top 100 picks. Paddock's ADP is right around 100. That's the cutoff for me, but he's moving up now, and I think rightfully so. Uh, so try to get four starting pitchers inside the top 100, and then jump back in in this range. Get Savale, Tyler Mali as your SP5, Jameson Tyone as your SP5, who we were supposed to mention as a sleeper yesterday, but yes, we do like Jameson Tyone. Pineda, John Means, Nathan Ovaldi, just load up on all these guys, and hopefully a few of them hit for your fantasy teams. Uh, before we get to breakouts, I did just want to highlight quickly, Scott, some of the things that you wrote about in your spring training notebook. Really great article on the site. Go check it out, cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. Scott spent his entire night just digging into articles, and he found a bunch of really great tidbits you mentioned the the. I'm so tired today. <laughs> you mentioned the. That Frank might be e the last version of that article, just so everyone knows. So Go read it. Enjoy it while it you can. It was a lot of work. En enjoy it while you can. Uh, you mentioned <laughs> the uh, the Frankie Montas quote that he uh, that he that you, you you found in this article, and he says, "quote I feel like I was more focused on throwing my two seamer regarding last year." He added, "When I have that good splitter in my back pocket, why not use it more?" So I believe his splitter usage dropped around seven percentage points last year. Went from nineteen percent in twenty nineteen down to something like twelve percent. So I think it can only help if he if he gets back on track with that splitter. So Montas. Yeah, I mean that was that's what made him in twenty nineteen. It was really confusing why he went away from it. So as I said earlier, I'm glad he recognizes it. It's a matter of execution now. He's apparently still feeling some after effects from COVID, some chest congestion. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but that's something to monitor. It actually made me hesitate in our draft earlier tonight, our mock draft. I took I took Shohei Otani over Montas. You know, Otani's got a lot of helium too. <laughs> um, but um, I'm not sure if that was the right decision. I'll have to think on that some more. 
The Blue Jays, you highlighted, may have offered a sneak peek as to what their starting lineup is going to be in Tuesday's game against the Phillies. They had George Springer leading off, followed by Marcus Semien, Bo Bichette batting third, Lourdes Gurriel cleanup, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. batting fifth, with Kevin Biggio batting sixth. And this quote came from manager Charlie Montoyo. I like when he leads off like we did today. I like that. But we'll see. So, I mean, this I can't imagine being good, being a good thing for Kevin Biggio, Scott. Yeah, because he was their primary leadoff hitter last year. And we we suspected Springer would bat leadoff. I, I just kind of thought everybody else would get pushed down. But instead, Biggio's going to the back of the line. He's good at getting on base. So um, it's just they have a lot of guys the Blue Jays do that are good on getting at getting on base. Just because this is the arrangement now doesn't mean it's going to be the arrangement all season. That's something to keep in mind. And I do think just from like a strategy standpoint, if I was managing a baseball team, I would rather guys steal bases when there are bad hitters behind them as opposed to good hitters, you know? So batting lower in the lineup in theory should make for more stolen base opportunities. It doesn't always play out that way, but in theory it should. So we'll see. We'll see. It's, uh, but yeah, not overall, not a positive development for Biggio. I'm not really like moving him down any in the rankings based on this. He's already in my bust column. I already have my doubts about him, but uh, this doesn't help. Ray starting pitcher Tyler Glass now unveiled his new slider slash cutter hybrid on Monday, quote, going to the lab with pitching coach Kyle Snyder to, the, to develop it with the team's pitch design technology. Quote, I know he's pretty excited about it, and he should be because he feels like he can land that pitch for strikes fairly consistently, manager Kevin Cash said so Tyler Glass now we know typically just four seam and curveball he talked last year about trying to use like a splitter changeup kind of thing it sounds like he's ditched that and trying to add a a second breaking pitch here Scott so does this make you more enthusiastic about Glass now because I think you had him as overvalued yeah I mean it's more about will the Rays let him pitch deep consistently enough will he have a chance to accumulate innings over the course of the season I don't think a third pitch is what's keeping him from doing that. It it can help with facing a, a lineup for the third time, but I think it's more just organizational philosophy of the Rays to to not push starting pitchers that hard. So it, it doesn't make a huge difference for me. Uh, but as the the beat writer for the Rays, do you have his name right there? Do you have the column open? You could actually give the guy credit. Adam, as he pointed out. Adam Berry of MLB.com. Yeah. There you go. As he pointed out, uh, when Glass now gets in trouble, it's because his curveball isn't working. He, he's not hit. He's not getting strikes with his curveball, and so having something else to turn to in those starts could could make him more consistent. Yankees manager Aaron Boone plans to slot outfielder Aaron Hicks into the three hole, which was reported the other day. And Aaron Hicks is basically free. I know you talked about him a little bit, Scott. The ADP. For Aaron Hicks, 276.2. He wasn't very good last year, but he was actually coming back from Tommy John surgery. I was watching the Yankee game the other day, and he had an in-game interview, and he said he's setting a goal for himself to hit 30 home runs. So I, I think he has enough power to do so. It, it's never really a matter of talent for Hicks. He just needs to stay healthy. He needs to stay on the field. And if he can do that, if he hits 30 home runs batting third for the Yankees, 
His ADP is 276. Yeah. That's, I mean, if, if he can do that, I, I, you know, he hasn't done that before. So it seems like kind of a stretch, mm-hmm. but just the whole, like Hicks strikes me as a whole is greater than the sum of the parts guy, because he's going to be, he's going to contribute something in homers. He's going to contribute something in steals as much as he gets on base batting in the upper third of the Yankees lineup. He's going to score a lot of runs, probably have a fair amount of RBI because he, he'll be batting behind DJ LeMahieu and Aaron judge. Um, and because the walk to strikeout ratio is so good for Hicks, I, I do think there are limits to his upside in in Roto, but in points leagues because of that strikeout to walk ratio, uh, he he had he averaged three point two nine head to head points per game the last time we saw him healthy for a full season, which I think was twenty eighteen. Correct. Uh, 3.29 fantasy points per game, which was roughly what Kyle Tucker averaged in head-to-head points leagues last year. So because of those peripherals, Hicks excelling there, like there, there is stud potential, I think, for points leagues specifically. The last one that I'll highlight here, Scott, I wanted to ask you about specifically because you were very adamant about one James Karinchak the other day in our relief pitcher preview, but I believe he started off his spring appearance with nine straight balls, is that is that what it was? That's right. Yep. Yep. So are, are you are you backing off at all? I mean, it's only one appearance, but I mean, you know, he flashes some of the downside in, in his lack of control. I, I mean, as as <laughs> flashed it as brightly as he could, <laughs> nine consecutive balls, and then I think he allowed two, three stolen bases while trying to uh, get back on track. Um, he ended up striking out two, and I think it only allowed one run. But Terry Francona didn't sound too happy afterward. So, I mean, obviously he has to win over his manager. I hesitate a little <laughs> to take him now um, if if it if it comes up. I, I still will take him if it's an obvious discount, which is really all I was talking about in the first place. Um, but there's there's a little there's a little hesitation now in the back of my mind. Hopefully he writes the ship quickly and we can hear some nicer comments from Francona in the future. Again, that is Scott's spring training notebook, which you can find on the site, cbsports.com slash fantasy. Get it while it's hot and while it's still here. If you're watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you're listening on to the podcast, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we'll have all the breakouts right here on fantasy baseball today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, 
nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Scott, yesterday when we were talking about sleepers, what did you say? All breakouts are sleepers, but not all sleepers are breakouts. How does that say go? Though. Okay. That's that's it. Yep. Okay. Yep. The uh if breakouts are squ- if if sleepers are rectangles, breakouts are squares. They're all rectangles. But not all rectangles are squares. That is a factual statement. So where would you like to start? I feel I, I figured we go back and forth on breakouts until I eventually run out. I know that you're not going to run out if breakouts are anything like your sleepers from well, yesterday. Well, sleeper being so broad, there's <laughs> there, you could pile more into the sleeper bucket than breakout. So I might run out. All but, right, uh, kick us off. Well, um, one we both like, Joe Musgrove. Mm. Yeah, big I Joe. Think Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove is finally figuring it out. So he went 106 appearances in his career without a single double-digit strikeout effort until the final two starts last year. Uh, Back-to-back double-digit swinging, uh, double-digit strikeout efforts. And leading up to that were a, a, a few things. His velocity jumped after a stint on the, the IL for a triceps injury. So it was down early in the year. Clearly he was hurt, comes back, he's throwing harder. He also started playing his slider off his curveball in a way he didn't before, really, really mixing those pitches up in a more optimal way. And with those two changes, Musgrove's swinging strike rate, it jumped after that triceps injury to 14. Actually, I think for the year, sorry, for the whole year, it was 14.4%. That was Musgrove's swinging strike rate, which was, it would have ranked in the top 10 qualifiers if you know if he was a qualifier would have been top 10 swinging strike rate the same as you darvish's and he's always been an elite strike thrower so throwing strikes hasn't been a problem it's if if he can if he can have legitimate swing and miss stuff like that uh, a guy who's efficient and we've seen him work deep into games with some consistency it's just is he able to is he able to overpower the opposition and and we saw we saw the potential more than ever last year that yes he can and um that has me really excited I, I know he's faked us out a few times in the past but the the signs of a breakthrough he was showing in the past weren't as loud as in, in my mind they weren't as loud as the ones he showed last year say it with me scott draft joe Musgrove. I've been saying I, it. I didn't know what we were saying. Sorry. Yeah. It's, we're not good at that. This is, that's, <laughs> that's not our podcast forte. We don't, we don't chant very well. It's true. That is true. But for years, I've been standing atop the mountains, the Joe Musgrove mountains, the uh, Mount Paramount mountains, um, and just shouting to draft Joe Musgrove. And, and I feel like the year that I give up on him is the year that he's eventually going to break out. So I, I, I do have a bit of FOMO. And I understand some people, they've been burned by Musgrove before. Why are we talking about this guy? He's never put it together over a full season. I hear all those things. He's got a career ERA over four. If you want to skip out on him, I have no problem, especially when his ADP is 
higher now than ever before. But you mentioned what he did over those final five starts, and we've we've seen we've seen him perform well over you know these five start stretches at the end of seasons before. But I mean, what he did specifically last year, Scott. You're right. I mean, it was different than what we've seen those final five starts. He had a swinging strike rate over 16. percent You mentioned what it was for yeah, the, just full in the final five. Yeah. The final five starts were just tremendous. One thing I will say to pay attention to throughout the spring. If you can find any type of velocity readings, Musgrove is much better when his fastball is sitting 93, 94 miles per hour versus at times, I think when he's not healthy and he's trying to pitch through stuff, it's sitting 90, 91, you know, maybe around 92. But when he's up around that like 93, 94 mile per hour mark with his fastball, he is much better. And I will just highlight this, and I'm taking a little stroll down Narrative Street right now, but... And we don't, we don't talk about this a lot. Maybe we should more. But I think there is something to be said for when a pitcher is surrounded by other really good pitchers, he can pick up things that maybe he hasn't he didn't know before. I mean, look at the Padres rotation. Hugh Darvish, Blake Snell, Chris Paddock, Denelson Lamette, as long as he's healthy. I mean, this is these are premier starting pitchers in baseball that have done like things that other people have not done. So if he can learn anything from those guys too, pitching in his, in his hometown, you know, his home state, California. I mean, look, if it's ever going to happen, I think it's going to happen this year for Musgrove. He just has to stay healthy. So he's certainly, and you know, regardless of whether you buy into the idea that the other pitchers around him will help. It's, he spent the past few years in Pittsburgh which wasted so much pitching talent. Uh, I, I think just getting out of there. Now, new regime for Pittsburgh, so maybe he would have been fine staying there too. But um, you know, based on based on what he's been to this point, he he wasn't getting much help from his organization. And, and just to tell you how excited I am about him, and I always am, and I've been burned every year. But I in this great fantasy baseball invitational, fifteen team five by five. Roto draft that we're doing with other analysts around the industry. I took him at pick 112 ahead of Patrick Corbin, Lance McCullers, Dylan Bundy, Sixto Sanchez. I think I have to update the rankings, but <laughs> I just, I want him on my team. So it's, it's aggressive, but I think we can get a, a truly massive season. How about another one, Scott, that we both like as a potential breakout? And he's going earlier than other names that we've talked about, but Nick Castellanos, and we've talked about him quite a bit already, but we'll just remind people that I think he is this year's Marcelo Zuna. You look at the underlying numbers for Nick Castellanos, and um, I mean, specifically, the the surface numbers, they they don't line up with the expected stats that we see according to StatCast. Um, Castellanos made fantastic quality of contact last year, and he hit for more power than ever before with the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds just had a weird season in, in general with all of their batting averages and, and, and the Babips being down across the board. Uh, and Nick Castellanos yeah. was no different, but he hit 225 with a 486 slug. The expected batting average was 272. The expected slug was 539. 16% barrel rate for Nick Castellanos. That was a career high for him last year as well. Also a career high was the strikeouts. So I think he has to just kind of get back to where he was a couple of years ago. He's normally 21, 22% strikeout rate. But Scott, yeah. I, I, I'm still waiting for it. It's kind of like Musgrove. 
but mm-hmm. I think that we can get this 300, maybe not 300, 280 plus batting oh. average, 35 home run, just 100 RBI, massive season. I, I, I still think Cassianos has the talent to do it. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, you think uh, when he first got out of Detroit, and the thing about Detroit is like, it is crazy deep and right center. So hard to hit a home run to right center. And that's where all of Castellanos fly balls go. It couldn't have been worse suit, worse suited for him. Um, so you think back when he first gets traded out of Detroit to the Cubs late in 2019 and him hitting 321 with a 1002 OPS in those 51 games, 16 home runs. And you think, okay, obviously he got really hot was an unsustainable stretch. But you look deeper into those numbers with the Cubs, it doesn't look that sustainable. It looks like he finally got out of a terrible environment for him. Cincinnati, of course, even more uh, inviting uh, in, in terms of power. And he delivered on the power with 14 home runs in the 60 games. Like he, We saw the power uptick. It's just career-worst strikeout rate, horrible Babbitt block. He, like As good as Nick Castellanos' line drive rate is, he should be, and, and he always has been, somebody who who profiles for a high BABIP, and yet he had a 257 BABIP last year. So the strikeouts normalize, the BABIP gets where it belongs, and I, I do think it's possible he's hitting over 300 with 35-plus home runs. And, uh, you know, I've made the comparison, Nolan Arenado, I, I think you made the comparison, J.D. Martinez. Um I think if I think if we got a full 162 games last year instead of 60... He would have ended up there. And by the way, in my first edition of the Spring Notebook, he said basically the same thing. So, yeah, I think I think just because uh, just because it didn't happen last year doesn't mean it's not going to happen for Nick Castellanos. Some good signs still. And I will just point out with the Babbitt among twenty three qualified hitters with a twenty five percent line drive rate or better, Nick Castellanos's two fifty seven batting average on balls in play was the lowest of that entire group. So I think we do get some batting average regression, positive regression for Nick Cassianos. Um, I will, I'll answer this question quickly. Trent McHale emailed in recently asking about Nick Cassianos and his swinging strike rate and how the, the Cincinnati Reds were, um, their broadcasters were basically bashing Cassianos a bunch last year. It, it was a career high, 16.6% swinging strike rate. But again, I think when you have a sample size as large as his of him not being that type of hitter, striking out that much, uh, I think we we lean on that more so than than anything else. Uh, Scott, give me another breakout here that you're excited about this season. I One you don't hear much, actually, is Lance McCullers. And I think, I think everybody just kind of has fatigue with him. Uh, because he still hasn't had, I, I don't think he's even had a 130 inning season yet because there's been so many injuries. But like when he's pitched, he's pitched well. He's had the strikeouts consistently, a 10K per nine guy. He's been an elite ground ball guy. You know how much I love that combination. Um, and last year, first year back from Tommy John surgery, he was kind of restricted in what he was able to throw. He ended up with a 393 ERA, 116 whip, 9.2 K per nine. Numbers a little off from what we're used to seeing. Still pretty good, you know? But for most of the season, he wasn't able to lean on his curveball uh, as much as he usually does. He's a guy who throws his curveball like 50% of the time usually. That's the key to his success. It's crazy how much he throws it. And he wasn't able to do that until his 
last three starts last year. You know how those last three starts went for McCullers once he got back to throwing that curveball 50% of the time? He had a 0 ERA, a .62 whip, and 12.2 K per nine. I think uh, I think the best is yet to come for Lance McCullers now that he's healthy again. The ADP for Lance McCullers, according to Fantasy Pros, is... Where is this guy? I just saw him. 126.4. Going just ahead of him, Julio Arias. Who would you rather have between those two, Scott? McCullers or Arias? I'd take a lot of guys over Arias that are going behind Arias because I do not trust Arias's workload at all. I think there's going to be a lot of piggyback-type starts for him with the Dodgers. How about McCullers versus Charlie Morton? Um... I I'm trying to remember who I have. I think I I think I have McCullers ahead. Actually, yeah. I mean, that's Morton's one who could rise with a if 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 he looks really good this spring. But I think I actually have McCullers ahead of him right now. That is correct. You do. You have McCullers as the 36 starting pitcher off the board, just ahead of Patrick Corbin, Charlie Morton, Sandy Alcantara, and Kevin Gosman. And those are your roto rankings, which people can find on the site. A breakout outfielder, another one, mentioned to Cassianos, and I talked about this guy a little bit before as well, but Dylan Carlson uh, last year did not get off to a good start. His first 23 games with the St. Louis Cardinals, his first 23 games ever in Major League Baseball, he hit just 162 with four extra base hits and a 31% strikeout rate, uh, 31% hard hit rate, excuse me. So he wasn't making hard contact all that much. He was sent back to the alternate training site and he would return for the final few weeks, his last 12 games. Carlson hit 278, seven extra base hits, 44% hard hit rate. And in their three playoff games, he batted cleanup in each of them. It's probably not going to happen now that Nolan Arenado is with the team. But I, I like the fact that he failed a little bit. They sent him back to the alternate training site. He worked on some things, made some adjustments, and he actually bounced back. Not that he put up, you know, astronomical numbers. Uh, in the, in that final 12-game stretch, but he looked pretty good. He he looked like a major league ball player, and he had a monster season in the minors back in 2019, one that I don't want to just forget about. 292 batting average, 26 home runs, 20 steals with a 914 OPS. I'm not expecting that out of him, per se, but I think he can hit 270, 20-plus home runs, double-digit steals. If he's batting in the middle of the Cardinals lineup, which I expect at least fifth or sixth in the lineup, should get some pretty good counting stats as well. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about Dylan Carlson, probably more so in Roto or, or Categories Leagues uh, than, than in points, but I like him. Did we talk about John Means in the Sleeper podcast? I don't think we did. We didn't. Because I was saving him for breakouts. And do it. A lot of people listening have probably heard the John Means spiel by now, but you know, for some people, this is going to be the only podcast they listen to. And so they need to hear this. They need to hear about how John Means gained two miles per hour on his fastball last year. How he was already an elite control pitcher in his 10 starts last year, didn't issue more than one walk in any of them. One walk was his season high last year. Throws a lot of strikes. With that newfound velocity, didn't work out for him right away, but things suddenly clicked for him over his final uh Final four starts. So in his first six starts, he had an 8.7% swinging strike rate. It jumped to a Garrett Cole-like 15.7% in his final four starts when his K rate 
went from 5.4 to 11.4. His ERA went from 8.10 in those first six to 152 in those final four. So what what we saw in those final four starts is that John means business. And John <laughs> is going to take those velocity gains. He's going to take that already elite control. And he, it's, it's all going to manifest as this superhuman pitcher, the likes of which the Orioles haven't seen. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to say since Eric Bedard. But Eric Bedard had one really awesome year for the <laughs> Orioles. And John Means, I think, might have that in store this year. And he goes very late. He goes very late. Yeah. Maybe it was just a mirage, those four starts. But man, that's a big jump in velocity. A big jump in velocity. And um, I'm excited to see what comes next for him. Yeah, he's going super late. The ADP for John Means, 235.6. Going just ahead of him is Chris Sale. I won't ask you about Chris Sale. But just ahead of Sale is Zach Davies. Scott, I assume you would rather have John Means than Zach Davies? Oh, yeah. yeah give me the upside. How about I mean Davies Davies is kind of underrated I think. I I think he's going to be pretty stable, but I'll I'll shoot for the upside with means. Especially in points leagues. Don't don't sleep on on Zach Davies in points leagues. How about Tony Gonsolin? John Means versus Gonsolin. I I love the talent of Gonsolin. It's just the role. Right. You don't know what the role is. Yeah, I actually had Gonsolin as a breakout before before the rotation got even more crowded with the signing of Bauer that that spot that is not going to be opened up at any point because Bauer's in it. Um, that hurts. I, 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 I think, I think Gonsolin has, his stock has fallen enough that I still like, I still like drafting him, but uh, I, I'm not, there's breakout potential there. I'm not, so I'm not going to go so far as to say, I like him for a breakout this year. Cause I'm, I'm not sure when I like him to have a starting job, you know, would you, would you take means over him, Scott? Yes. Cool. I, I would now. Before I wasn't, but now I would. I'm going to quickly hit on a few more breakouts that I have uh, in my Breakouts 2.0 article that you can find on the site as well. I want to mention Dominic Smith. Some concern about if he's going to play every single day. National League, there's no DH that, uh, in you know for the National League this year. But he's expected to be the starting left fielder for the Mets and at times is going to shift over to first base late in games because he is a better defensive first baseman than Pete Alonso. But I just think Smith is really talented. And since the start of the 2019 season, 139 games, Dominic Smith is batting 299 with a 937 OPS. And he actually performs well against left-handed pitching. So please, just Mets, don't mess this up. Because... I can see them trying to platoon him. Um, an 876 OPS against lefties in 2019 for Dom Smith, a 900 OPS against lefties just last year in 2020. So just don't mess things up. I, I, I do like Dominic Smith quite a bit. Yeah, I, I, I see Smith sliding. Like, I'm ending up with Dominic Smith a lot because yeah. it seems like... People are nervous. People are nervous, yeah. And understandably, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that Pete Alonso ends up suffering as much as Smith, you know? Yeah, he can lose an at-bat here or there late in games if they take him out for defense. I, Well, I think it's possible that Smith just starts over him on occasion to get to get a real left fielder in there and to not take Smith's bat out of the lineup. I'm not saying I'm not saying a lot, it's going to be a platoon between Smith and Alonzo or that Alonzo's not going to be a, a starter anymore, but there, I, I think there will absolutely be days that Smith starts over Alonzo at first base. 
Come on. I got to end with a Yankee, of course. Clint Frazier, who has been named the starting left fielder for the New York Yankees. And really, uh, the only concern that we've had is just, is he going to play every day? And it seems like now he is going to play every day. And last year, he only played in 39 games, but he hit 267. He had a 905 OPS with a 15.6% walk rate. And you know, obviously, I watch the Yankees. I follow them very closely. There have been maturity issues with him in the past, and he was a terrible fielder in 2019, and I think it, he let it affect his his hitting at times, and he just bounced back completely last year. I think he won a gold glove, actually, and I think this change in approach, being more patient, um, his 150-game pace last year, 30 home runs, 100 RBI, 11 steals. Sure, Yankee Stadium in that lineup going as... Late as he is, which I will pull that up for you, Clint Frazier, right now, is going at pick 180.8. So, I do like it. Did you say he won a gold glove? I think he he won 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 a gold glove. I think so, Scott. He did it. I'm on his baseball reference page. He didn't win a gold glove. (laughs) Oh, he was weird to me. Gold glove finalist. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, he was a gold glove finalist. All right, so cl- close enough. Um, but I mean, if you saw well, where his still, defense was. I mean, was, for a guy who was known for having bad defense. No, so I, bad. I am <laughs> like he reached base at nearly a 400 clip. He changed his stance last year in a way that both it, it seemed to affect his plate discipline because he was walking a ton even going back to spring training. And it helped him kind of regain that legendary bat speed that Brian Cashman talked about when the Yankees acquired him. I mean, the bat... He's a guy when you watch him hit, you actually like can see the bat speed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, you know, he, he might steal some bases. He definitely has power. I don't know. Like, he was a guy who I, his ADP didn't make sense to me at first because, like, he was their left fielder last year and he was awesome. <laughs> um, I think, you know, people forget he had that that concussion in 2018 that plagued him all the way through 2019, too. So that really stalled his development. But, I think Clint Frazier has arrived. He's in my breakouts too. If I could give a couple more before we sign off here. Um, do it, do it. So you could make the case these two have already broken out, but they're not being drafted like they've broken out to the extent that it looked like they did last year. And that's Zach Plesak and Kevin Gosman. Plesak, you could make a bus case for. I get it. I'm sure Chris Towers here was here. He would. But the fact of the matter is, Zach Plesak was the number three starting pitcher in head-to-head points per game last year, behind only the two Cy Young winners, Shane Bieber and Trevor Bauer. Obviously, he's getting drafted nowhere close to that. And look, I'm not even saying he's he's that good, but I am saying he does something that very few starting pitchers in today's game can do, and that's go not just six innings with consistency, but seven innings with consistency. He had the highest rate of seven inning starts of any starting pitcher last year, uh, and it makes sense when you look at how efficient he was as a strike thrower. You know, he made adjustments to his arsenal, became a better swing and miss pitcher. I get that it was only eight starts, but, you know, it's got it's got to start somewhere, and you don't often see pitchers have an eight-start stretch as dominant as that in as many facets as, as Zach Plesak dominated. So, um, I think uh, I think he might break out as... You know, somebody who we value on the level of like a Zach Allen next year. Uh, so, you know, not top five, but maybe top 15. I think I think that could happen for Zach Plesak still. And then Kevin Gossman, we saw a big jump in strikeout rate for him 
his splitter was always a good swing and miss pitch. He started throwing it more. Uh, memo to uh, Frankie Montas. He started throwing it more. And uh, his swinging strike rate was just behind Garrett Coles at 15.2%, nearly 12 Ks per nine. He had. Uh, I'm not sure he ever had a K per nine before that. Uh, the outings were short for the most part. So we got to see him extended more like a full starter. I mean, obviously he's he's had years where he was throwing six and seven innings in the past, but not with that strikeout rate. They were kind of being careful with his elbow early on last year. But if he can get back, if he can sustain those gains as a strikeout pitcher and get back to his usual workload, I think Gosman is going to catch a lot of people by surprise. I also have Nick Madrigal as a breakout for the White Sox. Great contact hitter. Probably going to steal a good number of bases. And um, we'll be thinking of him as a pretty high-end, a top 10-type second baseman next at this time next year. All the breakouts. There you go. In the book. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow with a bonus mailbag on Saturday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.